because listen you all uh, five years is a long time to do anything just ask somebody that's been in prison for five years uh, especially uh, pastoring us it can be a glory to God a, a tedious uh, a tedious job but I am grateful that God has called and sanctioned and chosen uh, such a dynamic couple and I believe that the days to come are going to hold nothing short than miracle signs and wonders uh, for this church if anybody believes it just smile and nod I can't see you but just smile and nod somebody say God's going to do what he said and we're going to share out of the word of the Lord that I believe that this is a church uh, that is going to be built on the movement of God, not only love and not only the preaching of the word, but uh, I believe that miracles, signs, and wonders is going to follow this ministry now and forever. And I'm the kind of preacher, as my niece and uh, nephew uh, so eloquently put it, God has blessed us. Uh, to travel around the country and abroad. And, uh, but some places you just love to come. And because of the hospitality that I've been felt uh, since we uh, got to the city, and I know her grandfather uh, is doing nothing but smiling down from heaven uh, on what's happening here uh, in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Now I'm going to get into this and let you all know that you are sitting under a ministry uh, that is completely fivefold. I believe that if I am to serve God, uh, that we ought to get all of his benefits. Am I in the right room? I believe that if we're rich, then we ought to be in good health. Anybody believe that with me? I believe if my daughters are saved, my sons ought to be saved. Am I in the right room? And so with that, I just believe that miracles going to begin to manifest in this ministry uh, through the ministry of this word and as you guys move forward post-pandemic. Somebody say, I need a word from the Lord. I'm going to go to the Bible and what God has given us, but I have to say this. Um, I remember when Pastor Ashley uh, was a little bit, maybe a little over two years of age her mother is my eldest sister, and Pastor Anthony, I'm sure you've heard this story on a myriad of occasions, and maybe some of you have as well. Um, I remember, I believe it was Thanksgiving, and our oldest sister would come over, and we would have fun times, and uh, Ashley, as a little girl, uh, she would run around the house and play like every other young child would, but she ran like this walked like that and at the end of that that Thanksgiving day I remember her mother with tears in her eyes uh, knowing the type of ministry that our father possessed she cried and she said dad the doctor wants to give her a lift she'll probably have to wear a lifted shoe the rest of her life because she was born with one leg shorter than the other and I remember as a young child watching my father sit Pastor Ashley up on our dining room table. 
And he asked my sister, are you ready to see a miracle? Y'all quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> and, and, and as the truth be told and as the story goes, as a young lad, I watched my father pull uh, my niece's legs out. And sure enough, one was shorter than the other. And before he could even utter a syllable, her leg began to move and begin to grow in his hand. Y'all quiet in this room. I know some of you never seen anything like that, but that's the cloth that your pastors are cut from. And I'm telling you, we begin to run and cry, and her mother and father were weeping. And he said, no, now put her on the ground and let her walk. Ashley began to run even. What no more wobbling. Ashley was running, and look at her today. Does she have a limb? Y'all hear what I'm saying? Somebody say miracles are in this ministry. Y'all don't believe it, but by the time we get out of here in the next 20 minutes, I pulled up here today, Pastor Anthony, and I heard the Lord saying for everybody in this room, every bill will be paid and every need will be met. Now, how y'all going to respond? That, listen, I said every need will be met. And every bill will be paid, even in the middle of a pandemic. Now, how you going to respond to prophecy? Oh, man, I'm telling you, I came to celebrate. And I came to defeat the devil. I'm getting into this, but somebody repeat this after me. Say, the worst is over. And the best is already here. Yeah, it's not on the way. It's already here. Somebody clap your hands and let me know that you believe God. My, 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 my. I said every bill will be paid. And every need will be Glory to God will be met. Somebody just put it in the atmosphere and say, yes, Lord. Come on, say it again. Yes, Lord. And so that same kind of miracle anointing that's on your pastors, my goodness, it'll make more sense here in just a moment. I want to stay right in the confines uh, of your theme. And I want to deal with harvest. I want to draw your attention to the gospel according to St. Matthew. And my mother sends her love and her regards. She would have been here to celebrate. Let's again look at St. Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 18. For the sake of time, you can read it later in your devotion. Those of you that may or may not have your Bible with you, those of you that may be watching, again, we're going to the gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter number 4 and verse number 18. We will take up reading from the New King James Version, and Matthew's account goes like this. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, 
and they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus makes a glorious open door invitation, and he says, Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The Bible says they immediately, somebody say immediately, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Uh, from these three verses, I want to lift in your cognitive imagination and I want to uh, label this message chosen for the harvest. You don't have to touch anyone. You don't have to uh, come close. We are social distancing. But just lay your hand on yourself and declare these words, I have been chosen for the harvest. Say it again, I've been chosen for the harvest. Do it one more time until the enemy realizes as well. Say, I have been chosen for the harvest. Before we consider this particular discourse according to St. Matthew's Gospel, it is indicative that we understand the framework and the climate in which Matthew pens his gospel. For the sake of time, and you can endeavor and you can get into it deeper in your devotion time, many of us who have done any amount of Bible study understand that Matthew's gospel um, are clarion, clarion words that bring resounding influence and insight to the reader after what we biblically would call the silent years. Many of you understand that from Malachi to St. Matthew, if you will, there is what we call, and many theologians say anywhere between four to 600 years. It is amazing to me because through this silence, everything that all of the prophets have prophesied, and especially Isaiah, who has uh, prophesied and foretold, if you will, the, the birth of a Messiah. You remember the Bible recounts that Isaiah talks about him and says that he'll be a tender plant that grows up out of a dry ground. Is that right? How many is going to pray with me? Not only that, he goes so far not only to prophesy his birth, but his life, his death, and his resurrection. You remember Isaiah wrote things like, and a virgin shall have a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, interpreted God with us. Now, the Lord has seemingly shut up heaven, and we have heard nothing else about this Messiah until Matthew breaks the silence and he says words like, unto us a child is born. Y'all praying with me? And a son is given. And with that being said, we, we have to uh, hopscotch, if you will, and cut through the field for the sake of time. Jesus is born and just like the prophets had declared and 
He was born of a virgin and what we call immaculate conception. And uh, this man uh, was born only to die for the sins of all humanity. And we don't hear anything after his birth and around two years of age, some theologians say, we don't hear anything about Jesus until he's 12 years of age. Don't have a lot of time, but as his family goes to Jerusalem for the feast as they usually do, and uh, the Bible says that they seemingly lose Jesus. You know the Bible story. The Bible declares that uh, as parents, they begin to search and ask. The Bible says friends and relatives and co-worshippers have they seen Jesus nobody seemingly could find the young man and I will say that simply because I believe he was chosen by God let me pause and put the bike on the kickstand for a moment here Uh, chosen people oftentimes are the most misunderstood Uh, we, we, we seem to become the most lonely is anybody in the room with me And so he was so peculiar that once they found him, his mother and his father, no doubt, asked him, Jesus, where have you been? We've been looking high and low for you, and you you, you didn't make curfew, and once we got back home, you weren't there. Where have you been? You know the Bible story. Jesus says in his discourse, uh, I must be about my father's business. I want you to pay close attention there because he says, I've got to be about my father's business. Somebody say a family business. Many of us who have done any amount of study understand and know that uh, he was born to his natural father by the name of Joseph. Joseph was a carpenter. So, of course, Jesus is trained in carpentry as well, working with his hands. And the Bible says that uh, as you do your in-depth study, you will find that as Jesus grows and and as he's maturing, no doubt, there's another tenure of silence. The silence is broken at about the age of 30 years old. And, And that brings us to the dialogue and the discourse, if you will, according to St. Matthew. All along, Jesus, no doubt, has been prepared. From, from birth until, glory to God's name, his earthly ministry is ignited. I don't know about you, and I wasn't there, but I believe that the Father was preparing him all along. I, I don't know about you, but I'm just crazy enough to believe that, that God had been preparing Pastor Ashley and Pastor Anthony from infancy until the Lord says it's time to launch ministry. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but God is not a God that just thrusts you out there. He, he's a God that brings preparation. Let me make it this way and paint the picture evidently clearly. The, the Lord sends us through preparation oftentimes that does not feel good to our flesh. I, I hope I'm in the right room. You know, when, when you go through the training ground, if you will, of the kingdom, everything is not going to be a bed of roses. I know once you were saved, you felt that you were on cloud nine and and every day just seemed so peachy keen. And, And next thing you know, a trial comes to test your faith. 
I believe that along the line of Jesus' life, God the Father was preparing him for what was to come. Let me pause and help about 10 of us, and I'm just about done with the message. Some of you need to know that in this season of being chosen for the harvest, God oftentimes gives you the promise, but does not tell you about the process. I'll say it again until you get happy and the devil get mad. In other words, hold on through the process. Oftentimes, God will tell you about the expected end, but doesn't tell you about the devil that's going to meet you along the way. Let me make it this way. He promised you coming out of high school that you would be married and you would meet your knight in shining armor, but somehow along the way, God forgot to tell you that you'd have to go through 10 bombs, God help me, before you... He didn't, he didn't tell you that you would be fired five times before you start your own business. He, he, he didn't tell you that he would allow you to be evicted before he blessed you with the house you've really been praying for. He, he seems to leave the middle part out. And the longer I live, Pastor Heron, I, I realize that when God has a promise on your life, there's going to be a price to pay. My father, God bless his rented, sainted soul, he, he, he would say things like, uh, son, listen, the Lord will give you a glimpse, but not tell you you're going to be blinded in the process. I'll say it again. Let me rewind. He, he'll, he'll show you a glimpse, but not tell you you're going to have some blind days in between. I know that every day hasn't been on the mountaintop for, for remnant church and, 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 and I would be insane to think that, that pastoring for five years, every day they felt like coming. I, I, I'm a witness. I, I've been pastoring before and, and, and didn't feel like showing up, didn't feel like studying, didn't, didn't feel like praying for anybody else. I was looking for someone to pray for me. And I've got to hurry on here and the Bible says, according to the text now, that Jesus is coming into his earthly ministry. John the Baptist, the voice of the one, he labeled himself crying in the wilderness, is now on the scene preaching and preparing the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was so profound in his execution that many felt that he may have been the Christ. The Bible says in your in-depth study that, that John has to uh, set the record straight. They, they said, John, should, should we follow you or should we look for another? God, I don't have enough time. That's another message all in itself. But, but look at somebody as this church is growing and say, stay in your lane. Uh-oh, that was kind of quiet. I don't know if you offended anybody, but, but if a church is to grow and prosper, we've got to stay in our lane. And so he, he says in so many words, I don't want you to get it misconstrued. He says, yes, I indeed baptize with water. I hope I'm not boring anybody. Am I doing all right? He, 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 he says, but there comes another who is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and that with fire. 
And the Bible says that as he goes a little further, Jesus, through the behest of the voice of the Father, commands him to be baptized in the Jordan. Now he's telling the living water to be baptized in water. Um, (laughs) I want to help pastors, and I'm almost done. I'll throw this in for free. Um, my father told me once, Pastor Ashley, he, he said, I don't care how anointed you become, how many times your phone ring or how many dates you have uh, on your calendar, you'll never be more anointed than God. I'll help you. I'll help you. Some say, what does that mean? Jesus himself had to humble himself and be baptized in a process That he was going to ask of you and I. Oh God help me. I'm in tall cotton right here. Listen child of God. It's a blessing to have leaders. To do what they've asked you to do. I thought Remnant would say something right there. I believe we've got pastors here. That won't ask you to do something that they won't do themselves. And Jesus is baptized. I'm losing time. He's, He's baptized. And the Bible says that the voice, somebody say the voice, not a voice, but the voice speaks out of heaven. And the Bible says it descends like a dove and and the Lord himself, the father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You're talking about an inaugural occasion. He is now sanctioned for ministry. He is now endorsed and installed for ministry. Glory to God's name. When Bishop Irvin Sims came five years ago and and sanctioned this man as, as, as Paul did Timothy and so many others, this ministry was sanctioned by God. Somebody say we're chosen for the harvest. I've got to let this make sense. Now watch. I'm I'm skipping through for time and condensing the message. The Bible says now that after Jesus is baptized, he's led up into the mountain and he's tempted of the enemy. Forty days, forty nights, he comes down and he makes a decision. Now it's time for me to choose disciples. Jesus understood I can't do this alone. <laughs> Glory to God, the, the, the almighty God, God manifested in the flesh. And if he realizes that he needs help, guess what? Pastor Heron and Lady Heron need some help too. Oh, it's quiet. I, I don't care how many degrees are behind your name where you've matriculated from, the upper epsilon of society, you may have been born with a silver spoon in your mouth, but if you're going to build kingdom, you need someone else's help. And the Bible says this, after Jesus has been baptized, after he has been led up to be tempted, tested and tried, the Bible says he comes down out of this mountain goes a little further and St. Matthew picks it up. Glory to God's name here in chapter number four. And he declares a setting 
and he says these words. And as Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, he sees two brothers, one by the name of Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, watch this, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. I want to pause here just for a moment because their livelihood became attractive to Jesus Christ. I was baffled, for those of you that will give us 10 more minutes, I was baffled simply because you would have thought that Jesus would have chosen other carpenters. That was his trade. You know, we usually choose people and we usually choose things that we're used to. Am I in the right room? What we're comfortable with. And you would have thought that he would have chosen men who were carpenters as he was growing up. But if you remember when he releases what we call his first biblical utterance at 12 years old, he says, if you're following me, I must be about my father's, come on here y'all, I, I must be about my father's business. Now I've been groomed, I've been trained in Joseph's line of work, but now I've been initiated into my father's work, which is in heaven, and I must work the works of him, God help me preach, that have sent me while it is day. Am I boring you all? For the night is coming where no man can work. I'm the same Jesus, I'm just changing occupations. And the Bible says, I must be about my father's business. And then he's walking by this sea and he sees Simon and his brother Andrew casting nets into the sea. And the Bible says, Jesus is so enamored. And always he always wanted to teach in parables and metaphorically speak and we're talking about being chosen for the harvest the Bible says Jesus sees these men that he's already met if you do your in-depth study you will find that these men uh, Simon and Andrew were not far from the baptism of Jesus many theologians would tell you that these two men were initially followers of John the Baptist John the Baptist now, according to this setting, has been incarcerated. And the Bible says that Jesus sees these two men that he's seen lurking around before and he looks at them and says, I can use them. He says to these two brothers, drop your nets and follow me. Oh, glory to God. I, I, I want to get stuck in the mud right here. What are you willing to drop? Talk Johnson. What are you willing to walk away from to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Oh, man, that's a, a, a what did the herons have to pay 
to walk into the pastorate. What agenda? The nets represented their agenda. It represented their occupation and their livelihood. How many are you willing to walk away from family and friends? Oh, it's a thin rope now. How how many of us are willing to drop our agendas? If you want to be a person, a recipient of a great harvest, you're going to have to lose some things. But I'm so glad the few years ago, God let me see in my personal life, I lost more than I ever had, but I've got more God than I've ever had. People left, finances dried up, body tried to act crazy, devil tried to attack my mind, tried to attack my ministry, tried to attack my house and my family. I lost a whole lot of things, but I've got more God than I've ever had in my life. If it sounds like I'm talking about you, clap your hands. Because with God, less becomes more. And so watch this. Time is fleeting. And they drop their agendas. And the Bible says they did it immediately. Listen. For some of us, maybe not all, but for some of us, God wants an immediate response just like we want an immediate response from him. He wants the same thing from us. I'm going to say it until you understand it. The Bible says they dropped it immediately. Some of us can't afford giving it another six months. Some of us can't afford to keep running with them another 90 days. Talk, Johnson, I believe I will. Some of us can't afford a pity pat with the devil until Christmas. You're going to have to drop some stuff immediately. Thank you for my five members that are listening. Those of you out in social media world, in this next season, even through a pandemic, that's why so many things have left our lives. It's because we didn't have the strength to let it go. I know I'm talking better than you all are responding. Some of these things God had to take from us because otherwise it would have been a crutch until he came back. And so I'm moving and I'm closing. Watch. He says, he said, follow me. This is the crux of the message. Drop your agenda. Drop your plans. They do it immediately and he says, watch this, and follow me. Watch this. And I will. (laughs) That's one good thing about God along with so many others. He'll never call you out of something and not pay you in return. He'll never tell you to step out of the boat. And watch you drown. Help me, Holy Ghost. He'll he'll always make sure he keeps you afloat. Can I throw this in for free? It blew my mind, Pastor Ashley, how when Peter stepped out of the boat, I've been a pastor's kid all my life. I've been around great preachers, and, and I've heard it preached up and down. And we always talk about how Peter takes his eyes off Jesus. I've even preached it that way on a plethora of occasions. And he begins to sink. And we talk about Jesus taking him by the hand and pulling him back up. And that's a glorious revelation. 
But the Lord blew my mind about three years ago, sis, and he said, I don't want you to get stuck on him falling or sinking during the storm. I don't even want you to get stuck on Jesus reaching out his hand and picking him up. He said, Johnson, look at it this way and start preaching it, that it was a miracle that he was able to walk back to the boat. God, I'm, that went right over your head. It, it's, it, it's out on Reno. You better go get it. It went right out the door. He says, why not preach about the man having enough faith to walk back to the boat on the water that was once, God help me, that was once drowning him. It's a miracle that he stepped out of the boat, but it's even more of a miracle that he walked back to the boat. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm going to get everything I lost. I stepped out of the boat. I dropped my agenda. Sickness tried to stop me. Poverty tried to grip me. But if God be for me, he's more than the... Hold up, Pastor Anthony. Don't push me too hard. I'm trying to behave. This is my first time here. (laughs) But watch this. He says, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, he had to use that same lingo to give them the the metaphoric parable of what I'm getting ready to do to you, through you, and for you. And he says, I want you to drop those nets, follow me, And I'm still going to bring increase to your life. It just may not be through physical fish, but it's going to be through the souls of men. Somebody throw your hands up for the first time and say, Lord, I'm ready for harvest. That was a whisper. Lift your decibels and let the enemy hear you all the way in Oklahoma City and say, Lord, I'm ready for my. Now watch this. I, I'm, I, I look at somebody in, in the streets, they used to say, I've been ready. I was born ready. Now, I got to move because I got to prophesy to about three people, and I don't want to lose you. Watch this. The Bible says, he tells them, drop your nets, follow me. Now, they go a little further, and the disciples say, Lord, what do I have to do to follow you? He's come down off the the preaching, if you will, of the Sermon on the Mount. And a young man is so intrigued. And and he says, what do I have to do to follow you? He says, hold up, wait a minute. Birds have nests. Foxes have holes. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, he's saying, count the cost. Go a step further. Another young man, uh, uh. Lord Jesus, I'll follow you. But let me go bury my father. And Jesus, in other words, he he blesses him and rebukes him subtly at the same time. And he says, let the dead, God help me, bury the dead. In other words, if you're not willing to do as Peter, Andrew, and the others, they, they drop their agendas immediately. I don't know who I'm talking to in this room, but somebody's at the brink of a breakthrough. And all you've got to do is drop doubt right now. All you've got to do is drop fear. All you've got to do is drop low self-esteem. 
the Bible says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. You know what that word cast means in the original Greek? It means to throw at, to throw down, to thrust at. Some of you just need to throw some folk at God and say, Lord, I can't handle them anymore. Some of you need to just throw your own insecurities at the altar and say, Lord, if you're with me, I believe it. You said it in your word. You will never leave me nor forsake me. I know mama and daddy families acting crazy, but the psalmist said, even if mom and father forsake me, talk Johnson, the Lord will take me up. And so he says this, he says, um, in metaphor for the fishermen, the sea is representative of our troubled and evil world. You all remember the hymnologist picked it up and said, I was sinking deep in sin. Far, y'all, y'all re- from a peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, I was sinking to rise no more. But the master, God help me in this room, of the sea, he, he, he heard my despairing cry. And, and what did he say? From the waters, he lifted me. So the sea was symbolic of this evil and in perverse world. So he's talking fisherman language. And, and he says, he says, come follow me. And through ministry, we're going we're gonna to hear a despairing cry of sinners. And, and they'll be lifted from drowning waters. He, he told them to drop their nets. Which was symbolic later on of the church. That net showed, glory to God's name, the symbolism of the church. My father spent four years Navy and he would tell me about how they would fish. Then other times they would just throw out the net. <laughs> glory to God's name. He, he said, son, we could be on the port of Louisiana and glory to God, there will be so much fish. In other words, the harvest was so ripe that, that, that laborers, we couldn't even have enough laborers. Sometime we would throw the net out over the port. He said, son, we couldn't even pull it in ourselves. And what I'm going to prophesy to remnant church is going is what happened when my father he said, son, we could not dictate what kind of fish we were pulling in. God help me in this room. Red, yellow, black, and white, they all precious in his sight. He said, son, it would be crappie, it would be flounder, it would be catfish. Y'all ain't talking to me. It would be crab, it would be all kind of fish. Tadpoles even. He said, son, everything we could pull in would come in in that net. Look at somebody and say, I'm anointed for harvest. And so that net means the church. And lastly, the fish meant the souls of men. The, the, The rebirth of men and women that need to be regenerated. 
I know this is an old saying in folklore for some, but, but they told us growing up, if you dream about fish, somebody's getting ready to have a baby. Maybe, I'm not saying it's the word of God, but just maybe, just maybe, uh, the fish also meant a new birth. God help me. He, 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 he said, listen, the word of God says, you know, Nicodemus came to Jesus. How am I to be born again? Y'all give me five more minutes. I'm closing the book. He says, is it that I'm to enter again? into my mother's womb to be born? No, Jesus said, no, you must be born of water and spirit. In other words, you must be born again. That word again in the original text meant from above. He was saying, Nicodemus, no, you've already been born through the 23 and 23 chromosomes and the blood and the DNA of your mother and your father. That was your earthly birth. Now you must be born, God help me, from above. Are we making any sense in the room? And so watch this, and I'm closing. He says, drop your nets, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they drop their nets. And I want to prophesy to this church in my final close. I've had three. (laughs) God is getting ready to give you all such a unique anointing for the masses. This theme was not chosen by happenstance, mistake, or coincidence. It's only us here. We won't offend anybody. Just put these words in the atmosphere and say, it's harvest time. Say it again. It's harvest time. And as I pulled up on this property for the first time, Pastor Heron, Lady Heron, I saw a multiplicity of ethnicities in this room. I, I, I saw a, a, a myriad of, of progress happening on this property. I saw bulldozers and erection of other properties and buildings on this land. And the Lord says, and, 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 and he's never said this to me before, but pastors, he, he says it's going to be easy. The growth as we come out of post-pandemic, for this ministry is going to be easy. I said, Lord, what do you mean? He says, all they will have to do is have a conversation. All right, let me help some of you because that that sounds idiocentric to some of you because some of you, well, I've been talking to uh, uh, Aunt Sue for years. I've been talking to my drunk uncle for months. And uh, the more I say, the more it seems like they go the other way. But as sure as I stand here today, I drove here from Kansas City, if you hear nothing else, preaching this fifth anniversary for my niece and nephew to tell you all that post-pandemic, because some of you have made it on broken pieces. Some of you made it with no money in the bank, but you kept God in your heart. He says in this God, help me. In this post-pandemic season, I don't know who I'm talking to. God said, this time your testimony is going to be enough. 
I'm going to talk to this side. You all making me nervous. I said your survival testimony through a pandemic.